You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 33, airing on April 16th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to engage and develop others without relying on authority or sanctions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, improving your skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is learning strategy and evaluation. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coaching for Leaders, and a special welcome to those of you who are tuning in for the very first time. We are in the midst of an entire series of episodes on how to train others. So if you are jumping in for the first time, this series started with episode number 30, so you can certainly hop back there to uh, take a look at some of the topics we've already covered. And this week, we are going to be looking at learning strategy and evaluation. And my name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our home office studio here out in Orange County, California. And I'm very blessed to be joined today by uh, a very frequent guest to the show. In fact, she is trending in the direction of uh, co-host. Because you have been here for, what, about a third of the episode so far, I think? I don't know. I haven't been keeping count, but it is great to be back again. I listened to, well, I listen every week. It's it's when I see the podcast pop up, I always enjoy listening. And I loved the topic last week on on-the-job training. Mm. And I had all these ideas percolating, and it was just fun for you to invite me to come in this week and next week as well. And if you are tuning in for the first time, you, uh, you this, this voice is Bonnie Stahoviak, who I happen to be joyfully and happily married to. And uh, in addition, Bonnie, uh, for those of you who are regular listeners of this show, know that, know that Bonnie has a tremendous experience in training and uh, we'll put the link to her bio online since we've talked about it on the show here before for those of you who want to know more about her. But we are here today to talk about learning strategy and evaluation and most importantly, what as a leader would you want to be able to consider and know about when you're thinking about strategies you'd use to help people to learn and when you're conducting training. And oh, by the way, uh, actually spending some time figuring out if people got what you expected them to get. And so as you're listening today, you may have some questions for us and possibly some feedback on what we talk about today. And uh, for those of you uh, who are tuning in for maybe the first time, we will continue the conversation on our website. So you can actually hop onto our website at coachingforleaders.com. This will be episode number 33. You can hop on and add comments or questions there right on the show notes. You can also reach out to us by phone. Our listener hotline is 949-38-LEARN. And you can also send feedback to any time to us, which is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And of course, all of that will be on the website as well. So let's jump right in here, Bonnie, and talk about, uh, let's look first at learning strategy. And I know you've uh, uh, you got some notes here on uh, organization, mission, vision, and goals. So how does that relate to when we're thinking about doing training with people? Well, some of the times when I've worked with people who are engaged in the function of training, which, you know, all good coaches should be, that should be a part of the role that they play. 
And a lot of times we can kind of get lost in the action of the training itself. You know, we're going to, and you've talked about this before, Dave, let's worry about where it's going to be held. And my least favorite, which I know it's somewhat important, but what are we going to serve for the food? What are the snacks going to be? Yeah, what, what lunch meat's going to be on the sandwich like we were talking about a couple uh, episodes ago. Yeah. Whenever I see that on, you know, evaluations, I know it's important because our physical comfort is important. And if we're hungry when we're in the middle of training, but I, I always figured, man, if that's what it comes down to, if that's what you were worried about, then we must have done a great job other than that because <laughs> right. um, everything else was covered. But anyway, we really want to take some steps back and not get too caught up in the actual act of training without being completely sure that we're in sync with the organization's mission, vision, and goals. Mm -hmm. And really one of the skills and, and knowledge areas that coaches need to have to help others be more effective leaders is a basic understanding of strategy. And strategy is an overused word in the business world, I think. <laughs> But essentially just break broken down simply it's long term planning. And we, we need to be good at the short term, you know, reactions to what happens in our industries and, you know, certain new regulations come out or our customers are demanding different things or we're even able to get in front of what customers want and kind of know what they want in advance. But we also need to be thinking about the three years out and the five years out. And for us as leaders, being in sync with that and understanding how strategy works. And I'm sure this has been your experience too, but I know I've talked many times with leaders and organizations and we've gone in and started a conversation and it becomes apparent rather quickly that the training that they're asking for isn't really tied to any type of long-term strategy. Or if there is a long-term strategy that the training they're asking for isn't necessarily tied to that. And so mm -hmm. I think it's really important for those who are listening to this episode to, uh, as a leader, to really think through how is what you're asking for tied to the long-term objectives. One example of that, a wonderful company is Zappos. And I love reading about Zappos and learning about their leadership in that organization. And they do a lot of training from the very beginning. In fact, their entire hiring process is built around people's customer service abilities. And they didn't want to just be a shoe company. You know, Zappos is often known for shoes. At least that's, I associate their brand in my mind with shoes and a lot of people do. But that their founder wanted to go beyond that and just be known for the most incredible customer service ever. And so whether you're buying shoes from them or handbags from them or, you know, other types of items, what they want to be known for is customer service. So you might have another organization, Dave, we've been asked before to do training in customer service. And mm -hmm. I can't think of a time when we've been asked to do training in customer service that was actually linked to strategy. And we usually pass on those leads to other people that you know, have more of a passion around training for just customer service right. as kind of, I would call it a rote thing, but, but you think about Zappos, their entire strategy is built around that. Yep. So it's not customer service training because we've been getting complaints from customers and well, we better do something about it. It's everything in our business model is built around the success that that customer service will bring. And there is this one anecdote that they've told, and I, I remember reading a Fast Company article about the founder and CEO of, of Zappos, and he talked about how they were traveling. I think some of the salespeople were traveling or marketing people were traveling around, and they're in some 
some kind of podunk town or whatever for some kind of a conference and the room service was closed in their hotel. And so they called up the Zappos customer service line and said, we're starving. And before you knew it, the Zappos customer service line said, you know, here's three places to get you some pizza in the middle of the night or whatever. Awesome. And of course, they don't want to be an operator. That's the, they were cautious in telling the story that they don't want to become that, you know, known for that. But kind of like Nordstrom is really aligned with great exceptional service, too. And that's why we pay more for goods and services there than we do in other places. That's what Zappos was really trying to tap into and really being able to meet customers needs. And I did recently, you know, by was looking for some more comfortable shoes. Cause when I was pregnant, man, those, any of you women that are listening that have been pregnant before you can definitely get some swollen feet there. And I was having trouble finding kind of shoes that I was looking for. And you can go and type into a kind of a, a chat box with someone and they'll help you out. And boy, this person did a custom search and I could save that link for in the future when I wanted to search just for the exact kind of shoes I was looking for. So they really cool. are a great example of aligning training with strategy. And that's, I guess, my hope for people who are in a leadership role and thinking about helping their uh, teams learn is to think of what is the activity you're going to do and how does that tie to whatever your overall strategy is. Mm -hmm. And Zappos is a great example of an organization that does that well. And I've, on the other side of the spectrum, I've seen many times where leaders have made decisions about what kind of training and learning opportunities to offer because we haven't done it in a while. Uh, and it's, uh, well, we haven't done this this year, so it's a good time to do it because we haven't talked about customer service in a couple of years, but it's not really driven by a strategy and a long-term objective. And so I'm hopeful that our talk today will get, uh, some of our audience members thinking about that and how to really align well with their strategy. If people are interested in learning more about strategy, a great place to start is a guy named Michael Porter and Michael Porter is kind of the pinnacle writer and thought leader around creating competitive advantage. And in the show notes, Dave is going to link to one of his books, but I mean, they're all exceptionally good because essentially strategy is all about thinking about here's where we are now, here's where we want to be, and then how do we reach that goal of where we want to be? How do we tap into that? And there are what he calls five forces that we can look at in terms of what's happening in the industry, what's happening with our competitors, how hard is it for someone else to enter the market that we're in? How differentiated are we in our customers' minds? Just as just as a few examples. And he is just wonderful to read. And pretty much if you're going to be engaged in some sort of strategy thinking in an organization, you're going to need to know him and understand those five forces at a basic minimum. And he's just a great place to start. And for those who uh, jump into that, you're also going to see a termino- some terminology that's used throughout the training world, and many leaders utilize this uh, terminology as well, which is called doing a needs analysis. And so a needs analysis is a very common way to approach how you're going to determine what types of uh, needs there are and then what solutions you may offer for those needs. So let's walk through, Bonnie, what you know, how, how someone would conduct a needs analysis just at a high level mm-hmm. and uh, what types of things, if, if you're a, a leader, maybe even you're working with your uh, HR or training organization and really trying to determine how you can align your resources with what people should learn in their strategy that they'd want to consider. So three steps to a needs analysis. First, we determine the problem or problems. Second, we 
affirm that that really is indeed the problem. We do that through working with what are called stakeholders. And third, we develop solutions and then present them. So three steps. And to, to start with, we talk about really determining the problem. And this is this is where we have to figure out in the business, what is that key business lever that's going to make a huge impact on the organization if it gets fixed or improved? And one thing to think about here is that people pay a lot more attention in life to fixing problems than they do to making improvements. It is human nature. I wish that it wasn't, <laughs> but it is human nature. Yeah, it is. One example that comes up a lot has to do with weight. And if you think about your weight and you think, gosh, you know, I need to lose 10, 20 pounds and it would be really good if I did that. I'd probably feel better and I'd probably look better <laughs> and all of that. And that has, you know, for me in my life, my experience, that was nowhere near as compelling as I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes when I was pregnant with our baby. And now there's a 50% chance of it turning into lifelong diabetes. It's type two, right? They have mm -hmm. type two yeah, diabetes. Type two. And so one of the biggest things that I can do to control that, that from happening is to get back into a healthy weight. Well, that is a lot bigger of a motivator. I find myself being much more likely to have my behaviors changed because of that motivator, solving that potential problem than I ever did just, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, if things were a little better? It's just human nature. And we do tend to, uh, as people, move away from pain faster than we move towards pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, just think of going to the dentist. <laughs> How many people really go every six months like they're supposed to, but the minute they've got a toothache, they're there at the dentist the next day and trying to get an appointment. So um, it and, and that does impact how we uh, approach needs analysis and how we approach how we're going to solve problems in our organizations too. Yeah. So when you're determining the problems, you're not looking at the nice to haves. You're looking at key problems that if solved would make a huge difference. And that's how you could avoid having the budgets cut for any training initiatives that you put in place, because if you can make it so it really is integral. And that brings us to the second step, which is to affirm that that really is the problem. When you meet, for example, with a senior leadership team, which Dave and I have done many times, and a lot of times we meet with them one-on-one, -on -one. sometimes you don't necessarily get a lot of truth-telling when you bring groups together, particularly senior executives. Sometimes there's egos involved, there's politics involved, and so you're a lot more likely to get a richer, truer, more authentic conversation if you speak one-on-one. -on -one. That's been my experience. And I really have learned a lot from the senior leaders that we've gone and engaged with. And so one of the things though, the second step is to affirm that that really is a problem. One of the things that we have found in working with organizations is they're all over the map. One person thinks this is the biggest crucial need in order to you know, get things moving forward toward that vision, toward the goals. And another person has a completely different idea. And if you were to go and implement a training program, you could completely miss one of those key senior leaders and not really have a good identification of where the issues are. If you stick strictly to only talking to senior leaders and you don't go talk to people who are working and engaging with customers directly, those frontline employees, the line leaders, then you're also gonna miss part of the picture. So you really need to get that nuanced look by talking to different stakeholders and stakeholders there's anyone who has a stake in the outcome of that training program. So if I'm a leader of a department or a group in my organization, and let's say I'm considering a 
training program or development program for the coming year. What can I do in order to get that type of uh, affirming whether or not what I think is the issue is actually the issue and is actually going to be a value to the entire organization? What would you suggest in that case? Well, going around and conducting these different types of interviews and I like to use a technique called mind mapping when I'm speaking with someone and that basically has trying to get at the center of that visual map, the key issue, and then what are the impacts of that key issue in the organization? So Mm. for example, one might be that, you know, there's a high turnover rate in a particular company and they're really finding that, that they're just seeing much higher than their industry and then they've seen in their company's past. Well, what effects does that have on the organization? Well, it's expensive to hire a new one. So we're finding that, you know, we're not able to you know, keep our budget in line with hiring like we did before. There's also effect on our customers because they see that our knowledge base of our employees that are working with them are not as robust as they used to be, et cetera, et cetera. And anytime we can get that down to numbers because numbers are going to be truly compelling you can calculate what a cost is to hire someone. You can calculate what a cost is for, you know, customers that are being, you know, not retained as long as they used to. So really coming up with, is that really a problem and talking to those stakeholders. And then final step here is developing the solution. And I noticed that you've made the comment uh, before here that training isn't always the solution. Yeah, I think you've made that comment too. A lot of times people kind of think, see it as the panacea and you know think it's going to come in and solve things. And sometimes they see it as an easier way to go than addressing some real deep cultural issues that are going on. Um, oftentimes, for example, and Dave, I know you see this recently, is you know let's get this person trained. And then they're not going to be a difficult person anymore. We're going to fix them by, you know, right, with this training. Yeah. But sure as, you will. <laughs> as we will find out later on, um, the, there there is such a thing as knowing how to do something. And then whether or not you choose to do that or not is a whole different question. So someone may know perfectly well how to do something, but may choose not to because of perhaps attitudinal problems or what have you. So training's not always going to be a solution, although it certainly can be part of a solution, of course, or we wouldn't be in the professions that we are. So uh, so let's say we've got the right solution. We spend our time to make sure that it's aligned correctly with strategy. Um, now, uh, one of the things that m- many organizations don't really think about a lot is actually taking some time to evaluate the training effort. And so, and I think a lot of leaders miss this opportunity too, Bonnie, is that we don't really take the opportunity to um, consider, did the employee who works for me or the person I'm leading actually get something out of this process and not just beyond I've learned something new, but does it actually affect my behavior? So there's a couple of ways for us to look at this. Yeah. Two broad types of evaluation. The first type is formative evaluation and the second type is summative evaluation. Formative evaluation is the kind that's done most often. It's inexpensive and it's easy to do. It's measuring the satisfaction with the training itself. So this is the, at the end of the training, you get the survey that says, fill in the bubbles. How did you like the training? Mm-hmm. What did you like? What did you dislike? That kind of thing. Yeah. Did you like the bagels? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what shows up on those, right? Yep. And yep. so it has a lot to do with kind of personality. Did you like the personality of the trainer? And mm-hmm. that is important. I know that people that I have really engaged in some deep learning with, I can't think of ones that have come in and conducted workshops that I didn't like. 
that actually taught me something. You, you kind of need mm-hmm. that to respect the person. Respect kind of comes along with oftentimes the ability the person has to connect with you on an interpersonal level. So not to say that it's not important, but you could come in. I used to early in my career, I used to teach computer classes. And so I used to score a 9.98 out of 10 on a regular basis with 24 people in front of computers and they Mm -hmm. loved it. They had a great time. This is before I really was very educated about the training profession. I, I often wondered, you know, when they went back to their workplace though, could they actually use that mail merge function in some meaningful way to save themselves time and ultimately be more productive or better able to meet their customers' needs in some way? And in my experience, this formative evaluation process isn't very good at determining that of does it actually affect behavior change when that person leaves that experience? Um, it's It can be very good at figuring out, and, and my experience, Bonnie, is that it's good of um, being able to figure out if something went wrong. So if there was a problem in the training or something didn't work right or someone didn't like the trainer or whatever, it's, it's good for mm-hmm. showing those things. But it isn't necessarily very effective at being able to determine what's a person going to do a month later. So summative is the extent to which real change has occurred. And this is harder to measure. It's more expensive. And as you indicated, Dave, it's longer term. And so a person I would recommend people check out if they want to learn a little bit more about seeing the real results of a training, what's called the return on investment. So we spent this much on the training, what did we actually get back in return? An expert at this, his name is Jack Phillips, and he's a great person to read. And Dave will be linking to just one of his many books on the subject of return on investment for training. And closely linked with these two broad types of evaluations are what is called the four levels of evaluation by this guy named Kirkpatrick. Hmm. Donald Kirkpatrick, I've been pleased to be able to hear him speak before. He's considered the father of training evaluation. And so he's got these four levels. Okay, so let's take a look at these uh, because I think this is these are good things for uh, anyone, any leadership role to be thinking about when you're doing training with people because it's not just about getting the 10 on the evaluation form or getting the, yes, I liked the training. It really is a lot more than that. So let's look at these four levels. All right. Number one is Kirkpatrick's level one is reaction. And this is people's reaction to the training. Did they like it or not? And we've been talking a lot about that. That's what much of the formative evaluation is comprised of. Right. Okay. And so level two is learning. What knowledge was gained as a result of the training and what did people learn? So this is a step above just the reaction. How did I like it? But it really does do something to determine whether or not the person actually learned something during the process. So there's a few ways that we could potentially do that. In online learning, this comes up a lot where people will give you a pre-test and a post-test. And so I've had this before with whether it's some required, legally required human, uh, human sexuality. No, legally. That's a whole different podcast. Oh, sleep deprivation. (laughs) How you make words lost to us. Let's uh, see. Sexual harassment training, I think so. (laughs) Sexual harassment. Uh, We don't legally require human sexuality training, but we do legally required sexual harassment training here in the state of California. We do. And so a lot of those have the pre and post test. So you can see what types of knowledge was gained between that training. Level three is behavior. And this is the extent to which behavior has changed as a result of the training. So we look now at what can we see that's different after the training. 
And this goes to the phrase, common knowledge doesn't mean common practice. So you might know the five steps to your customer service process of how you interact with customers. It doesn't mean you're actually going to do it in practice, though. So that's why this is a different level of evaluation behavior, because it, need, it you actually need to also evaluate, do people actually do what they've supposedly learned in the training? And then, of course, that leads to the fourth level, which is results, real and lasting change that's occurred because of the training and the results that have been achieved by that. And this gets back to the question that I posed on an earlier episode in the series of uh, what do you want people walking out of the room doing differently? And how does that really filter back to your organization's results? And it goes back to what you said, Bonnie, earlier about strategy. You know, it may be great for us to teach people about a great customer service process, but if that's not the problem right now, and if that's not what the organization's struggling with, it's going to be a waste of time and resources. Sometimes training professionals that I have worked with or leaders that are bringing in training professionals to engage with their divisions get a little bit fearful at this point and they think, well, what if it doesn't work? What if we go out and say the results that we're looking to achieve are X and then we don't do it? Well, that very well may be that you don't achieve those results. At least you would know that the solution that you've attempted to put into place is not working to the extent that you thought it would, so you can make adjustments as you go. And I would say that you get a lot more respect as a business leader when you step out, take those risks and say, this is what we're going after. This is the impact that this investment is going to have on this organization, on these people that are every day interacting with our customers, for example, or that are leading our business to new heights. And I think that's a great courageous thing when I in my career could kind of get over that, that yeah, I might fail. That fear of failure is definitely there. And the more tangible we make those results, the more failure could possibly be there. I guess I shouldn't be, but I am still amazed at how the vast majority of people in leadership roles are so terrified of looking like they have failed at anything. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I want probably more than anything this for our audience is for people to have the courage to be able to make a mistake to say hey something didn't work and let's all learn from it in order to not only have a better team but to have a stronger organization and real learning and real learning organizations do that consistently and i can tell you i have been afraid of the failure and i will be again <laughs> yeah i definitely will be again but i just know that feeling i can overcome that yeah. Because I, I know the feeling then that comes up, yeah, it might fail. We might not achieve these results. But if I've actually engaged in that stakeholder process along the way, then they're all going to be bought in to it anyway. And they're going to be working toward what needs to get tweaked along the way. So Dave, we have time for three quick quiz questions to make sure that our listeners are on board. Uh, who's doing the quiz? I think I'll do it. Ah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll quiz you, but don't look at the answers. So a quiz would be a, uh, let's see here, a level two measuring. Oh, you're, what, you're, no? He's given the answers. Oh, away, sorry. Here, here, here we go. Here. All right. All right. So I'm going to read a statement and the listeners and Dave are going to tell us whether this is level one reaction, level two learning, level three behavior, or level four results of the Kirkpatrick's four levels of evaluation. So to begin with. I'm ready. You observe the marketing department's meetings before the training and after. You're conducting which form of, eva of evaluation? Observe. Um, well, I guess it could be two or three because I'd be looking for 
what they're saying or doing differently. So they've hopefully done some learning, but I also might be looking for behavior changes that they're doing in it's their It's level meetings? three. It's behavior. Oh, when I observe good. people's behaviors in meetings, perhaps we've trained them to, st- to have an agenda, have a parking lot, or track how many interruptions happen in a meeting, for example. That would be behavior that got changed, we hope, as a result of the training. Awesome. All right. You give the learners a quiz before the class and after, comparing the knowledge that's been gained during the course. And so that one's definitely level two because... I'm measuring the knowledge that they've gained, but I am not necessarily measuring whether that's going to result in any behavior change. Yep. Hopefully our listeners are tracking along with this too. Hopefully you're scoring 100% over the airwaves. And the last one, you measure the salespeople's revenue before the training and for six months afterward, which type of evaluation is being used? That one is a result. So that's level four of actually seeing does the behavior change they've put into practice actually result in some good positive change for the organization. And as you mentioned, then if it doesn't of, you know, having the courage to say, Hey, this didn't work. Let's reevaluate how we can approach this in the future and be more effective in our future training efforts and our learning efforts. And as an example of that one, if training didn't do it, maybe what's needed is more one-on-one coaching after the training to solidify the learning that needs to take place. Just as an example. I'm so glad you joined us today, and we are actually going to be back uh, with you next week for uh, phase two of this conversation, and we're going to talk about how to set good learning objectives. So once we know what the solution is and how to actually implement the training of how to actually set some objectives around that, because a lot of people don't know very much about that at all. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you and uh, look forward to talking with you again next week. Thanks, Bonnie. See you then. I hope you found that conversation on learning strategy and evaluation helpful. And if you're thinking to yourself, gosh, that's a lot to think about when I'm going through and preparing training for people that follow me, then I challenge you to at least take something there that you haven't done before and add that into your planning process when you are thinking about training or putting training into practice next time. Because if you're able to align the training that people are doing with the overall strategy that you have and the organization has, and if you're able then also to evaluate it after it's done and ensure that it actually did the job it said it was going to do, then you not only ensure that you're using people's time well, but they also see how the training is a real value add. So in addition to using everyone's time well, you're earning trust and you're helping people see why training becomes important and they're more and more willing to want to invest their time and effort and bettering themselves. And that only helps you as a leader. So I challenge you to take something you've uh, heard from the conversation and consider that as you're doing your planning for your upcoming training, whenever the next one is. Uh, Now, this is the point in the show where I like to uh, share some community news and feedback. And there's a few ways that you can jump in on the conversation with us uh, in regards to the topic on this show today. Uh, First of all is, and probably the best way, is to hop on our website at coachingforleaders.com and you can join the conversation on episode number 33 with any comments, questions, or feedback you have. You can also call 949 Three eight learn and leave a message on our hotline there. And of course, email's great too. Feedback at coachingforleaders.com. I don't have any feedback from anyone from last week's episode, so I wanted to 
take a moment to use this time to just let you know about something new that we have up on our website as a resource for you, our listening community. We now have quick coach videos that are up, and those are videos that I'm actually producing, and we are posting one a week, and so you'll see them. There's actually two of them already up there now, and you'll be seeing those post every week from here on out. So the best way to get to those is just go ahead and hop over to our website, coachingforleaders.com. And you can actually, uh, depending on when you get to the site, you may see it right there on the front page. Or if you don't, just go ahead and click on the button that says watch and you will see a list of all the videos we have up there. And it's a three to four minute quick coach video on a particular skill set that we think is going to be helpful to you in order to engage and develop others. So it's just a real quick overview and uh, hope you have a chance to check it out. Hop online and uh, please, if you do have a chance to look at it, drop a quick comment and let me know what you think. And of course, let me know what you'd like to see on future videos because we are in constant production on these now and we are here to uh, add value to you however we can. And I wanted to just say thank you for those of you who have reached out to us on iTunes and wrote a review for us in the past few weeks. If you've listened to the show regularly and it's been helpful to you, I really would be honored to have you jump on to iTunes and leave us a review. The easiest way to do that is to go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash iTunes. That'll take you right to our iTunes page. Hey, the link for the show notes are on our website for this show. This is episode number 33 at coachingforleaders.com. This show airs every Monday. If your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, hey, drop me a line. You might, uh, we might be able to help you out. You can reach us at 949-38-LEARN. Hey, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Take care, everyone, and have a great week.